deep in London's beating heart lies a wall. I'd like to it be if you know the call. For if the wall steps aside, be not afraid of what you see. Cause the wizard world has opened up as has the Griffin's Hello, dream. everyone, and welcome to the Shrieking Shack. This is a Harry Potter reread podcast for lapsed fans. I am your host, CC. And I'm Liz. And Liz, I've been redeemed. I did it. I read it. I read it right the first time. I didn't stutter. I didn't flub it. I was so worried going into this one that this is going to be our new trend was me fucking up the intro after last week. The, the running gag is over. The new running gag. Uh, 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 me forgetting the words that I say uh, at the beginning of every episode. Instead, the gag will be me forgetting the words I say at the end of every episode, which I think has happened... Maybe once every other one or two episodes. That's right. But hey, that's at the end. We're running out of steam. I can be excused at that point. Um, We have kind of got to get right into it this week, I think. <laughs> um, unfortunately. Mm. We recorded last week's episode literally hours before the thing that we were theorizing about happening that uh, on the episode that like when when is jk rowling going to break her new twitter persona when is this like goofy child loving like benevolent like uh 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 just like like saccharin retweeting uh uh, uh all of the children's fan art retweeting all these like posy weird facts accounts uh when 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 was the mask gonna slip and we said it's gotta happen soon little did we know wow we're right again we're right again once again we manifest unfortunately we manifest evil into the world once again we're really good at this unfortunately <laughs> hours after uh, we we finished recording the episode, wondering, you know, hey, when when is when is she gonna? How long can she keep this up? It turned out not much longer. Yeah, it was uh, like about twenty minutes. <laughs> Maybe it really was. <laughs> she got into. Uh, so I'm gonna have to. One, uh, uh, we we should put a big content warning here. I know that this sucks. And that a lot of people just aren't going to want to hear about it because we are going to be talking about a lot of transphobic language uh, and her general transphobic behavior uh, and all that jazz. So understandably, if you don't want to hear anything to do with J.K. Rowling right now, we understand. <laughs> Figure um, we can throw up throw up a timestamp or something. For yeah, the book I'll, I will put a, Yeah, I will put a timestamp uh, in the show description once we finish recording. Uh, if if you wish to not listen to that that being discussed that being said i do think it is really important both because one it is just like the nature of it is so like funny uh (laughs) like like in in the way that it happened right after after we were talking about it on the podcast um and two as i have said on twitter and i you know i still believe but but i but i think bears mentioning again here her beliefs are heinous and horrible and not funny. The way that this particular slip up manifested is maybe the funniest possible way something like this could have happened. Yes. I I think, I mean, we'll get into the sequence of events, but the first thing she did 
had me seething mad. Like oh, yeah. I, I think maybe I'm trying I'm trying to go back into my mind palace and think of all the times that I have just been like legitimately angry in a way that I didn't really know what to do with myself mm-hmm. or what the path forward was. Mm-hmm. So I guess let's get alive, but let's let's start at the beginning, right? With, yeah. with the first thing she did, which was um to do some um some get a little litigious on Twitter. Yeah, just some good old fashioned Twitter bullying. Uh so there was an account, I won't say their name on here just to spare them any more attention, I guess, at this point. Um, but a, a very small, relatively account uh, a quote tweeted an old, like year old, I think at this point, Guardian article about J.K. Rowling's uh, behavior and said, basically made a, a glib, like reframing of the joke that uh uh, you know the transphobic bathroom warrior people always joke about like oh like they're not how how will we know that the are they're safe around our kids right and uh she's you know she made a joke about how the ichabog uh uh you know jk rowling has proven that she you know can't be trusted around around kids uh so she shouldn't be writing more children's fiction didn't even tag jk rowling in this as far as i'm aware um the tweet is now deleted i think she may have oh did she not that i think not that i think there's an issue with that i mean no i but but i do think she did no i so so i i i I, whatever it doesn't matter yeah the tweet's deleted because due to this bullying um but jk rowling found it and uh basically started you know threatening this person with uh uh legal action saying you know and not even in a like i mean like not that there's a nice way to threaten someone with legal action but she was doing it in the most like like evil leering predatory language way right just like the you better lawyer up uh uh kind of shit right um i'm afraid your lawyers might need a little more than my tweet in support for Maya Forstater, who believes that humans are a dimorphic species, but who has stated her unequivocal commitment to treating trans people with respect. Bull fucking shit, by the way, if anyone remembers that business from last year. Again, I must ask you to provide evidence of your published claims that I cannot be trusted around children and that I have attacked trans people. Um... Uh, unfortunately, the other side of this conversation, of course, has been bullied into deletion. Um, but this this already was just, like, big, I think, newsworthy behavior to me, right? Like, this was, this was J.K. Rowling in the middle of her new PR rollout, just being abjectly cruel to someone criticizing her. I don't think there's anything wrong with the original tweet. In fact trying to think of this in a way that I'm not going to get sued. Um, (laughs) So, you know, parody or whatever. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I don't think that that is how the libel or defamation works. And so it is such a clear, I don't want to get sued, you know, but (laughs) like when a mega rich person like J.K. Rowling, threatens you with legal action, it doesn't matter whether you're in the right. And that is so plainly what this was, which is just be afraid. 
you know? Yeah, it was bullying. And so I, I will say libel and slander laws in the UK are very weird. I don't think necessarily weird enough that this kind of thing normally would have any attention paid, paid to it, right? But because it's J.K. Rowling, it doesn't. Could, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, it, yeah. Ultimately, it, it, yeah. That the the part that's important is that it is someone with 15 million followers and all the money in Scotland versus a, a random Canadian person, right? Like, yeah, with what three thousand Twitter followers or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that 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 was already just like wow have not seen her behave like this in a while the this was basically like the last thing she did if i remember right i think this was the last thing she did before she disappeared the first time right which was like like threaten random people with even fewer followers with legal action for saying fuck you on on twitter basically yeah yeah, basically so like uh, my my first reaction was like oh my god is this going to be the last thing we see f- of her again on Twitter for another year right which I wish but God please yeah basically this back and forth continued and she was like oh if you, you know find find proof that I'm transphobic uh, or this is you know or this is libel and I will sue you while this was happening she was still retweeting and commenting on Ichabog art hundred a day. So billions, much. Millions of <laughs> Millions fucking... and billions of Ichabod pictures. Yeah, yeah. Just just endless streams of these drawings. Which, gotta say, a lot of them are very cute drawings. I have nothing against the drawings, but having them in your feed 24-7 with her saccharine comments uh, over the top of them, nightmare. But while this was happening, she managed to... <sighs> Uh, copy and paste a line from an article that she was clearly sending to someone in the DMs or something that, and I'm going to find the quote and I need to talk around it carefully because also the, I believe that the quote might contain, yes, the quote contains, I believe, misgendering of the person that it is about. So I will not read the the I will not read her exact copy and paste here, mm-hmm. but I will read what leads up to it, which is insanely funny. I love this truly fabulous Ichabog with its bat ears, mismatched eyes, and terrifying bloodstained teeth. In court, blah 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 blah, and people were immediately found out like what fucking site was this quote from? Do you Feminist remember? Feminist current. Yes, which is a well-known... Extremely transphobic. Just some na- just copy-pasting some nasty shit into the nasty DM. Yeah, and everyone was like, huh, what? Because, um, you know, this was, she was... It also, not that this is really the important part, but this, this, this quote that she uh, accidentally posted did have the fuck word in it. Yes. Uh, and so she was also, I guess, technically swearing at this child, which is really... <laughs> Which is very funny. I mean, she had to cop to it, right? And she posted a, a follow-up saying, I'm going to say this once, and I'm going to say it calmly and politely. I certainly didn't mean to paste a quotation from a message about the assault 
of uh, blah, blah, blah into a, uh, a tweet to a child, especially given the language used by the person convicted of the crime. However, I am not, as many of the people now swarming into my mentions seem to think, ashamed of reading about the assault. You should know by now that accusations of thought crime leave me cold. Take your censorship and authoritarianism elsewhere. They don't work on me. Incredible. Not mad laughing, actually. This got some traction. The other, I guess the other thing that was very funny about this was that, that she then followed up to the, uh, the, the original tweet replying to the, uh, I assume, I think it's the parent of the person who posted the drawing saying like, uh, please DM me your address. There's a signed book in it for you. I'm so sorry. Blah, blah, blah. This couldn't have happened more perfectly. I don't think Mm -mm. we have her in the middle of a slap fight with somebody calling her transphobic and then she manages to paste this like this line from a feminist current article into the tweet instead of whatever fucking horrible dm she's in she's probably in some group dn with graham linen and a bunch of other fucking people the cat's always been out of the bag right Mm-hmm. But this feels like maybe multiple more cats coming out of the bag, right? Where it's just like, you, there's no deniability anymore. We know what web- websites you're reading. It's extremely funny. Honestly, the way it, the way it played out, it, like you said at the top, not funny because it sucks ass. But Her just, beliefs are funny. Right. It just couldn't have happened in a funnier way. Like, like just, just, just the sequence of events of her, her yelling... At some poor Canadian person to accidentally tweeting this to then having to like apologize to the child and then also write this like very frumpy like like sorry for having a f- sorry for being a free thinker sorry for thought crimes yeah sorry for doing my thought cr- like this had better comedic timing than anything in in a Harry Potter book and then she continued just retweeting the fucking children's art like nothing happened and and that's how it's just going to be i guess from now from now until until the sun burns out she's just going to keep on retweeting these fucking monster drawings every day so no one can see how mean she's being it it, it rocks it's so funny how sad i was really hoping that she would be so embarrassed because to me like out like even outside of how vile she is just the idea of making a mistake like that is so profoundly embarrassing to me yeah. that I was hoping it would scare her away yeah god yeah sending a message to the wrong person privately to your millions of followers too yeah. oh that's so embarrassing but oh how no. embarrassing and, and and also to have it i guess not out you because she was already out as as believing these things but just like cement this this fucking uh, image we have of her as as a as a nasty transphobe. It just it's it rocks. It's great. Anytime she manages to save a little public face, she manages to fuck it up somehow. And I am grateful at the very least for her ability to do that. Yeah. I, I do end up kind of in the same place where I feel really frustrated with the general public and how ignorant they are to these dog whistles because mm-hmm. uh, because there are so many bad actors in the mentions as well. I, I even saw someone say like, oh, well, what if she was copy pasting it to make fun of the article? 
And I'm like, no. Yeah, definitely. That's not what's happening here. Yeah, it is. I mean, like, this this is a problem that you could probably devote an entire podcast to. But, like, the way that transphobes have, like, managed to co-opt very popular and reasonable sounding language is powerful and dark and uh, depressing. And I feel like it's very easy for people who just, just maybe aren't on the lookout for these things and don't have much experience in their lives with like the queer community or anything just like seeing people say like oh i'm 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 doing feminism and just nodding and retweeting going like yes i too am a feminist and not realizing what exactly it is that's being said right the the way that that language has been co-opted and gotten entangled with like this militant transphobia is uh depressing and like needs to be confronted at some point in a like more organized fashion somehow it's it's maddening and obviously the story didn't pick up a lot of traction there are some very much more important things going on in the world than a multi-millionaire being shitty on twitter (laughs) right um so it didn't quite make the make the news cycle, which is good right now, obviously. Uh, yeah. But it does remain just kind of my consistent frustration. And I should definitely know better, right? Because I know that this isn't how it works, where she's going to say something or do something, and, and finally people are going to be like, oh, you suck, because that's just not how it works. But mm-hmm. every time I am met with frustration, because it always feels like, oh, this is this is it. Yeah, she yeah. Can't, every- people can't defend her, right? There, there's a thing you you mentioned to me, which was like, I better not see any more fucking celebs reading these Harry Potter chapters on Wizarding World, right? And I still, I like, I do still feel that way. I just, I, I, I wonder how much has got to give for the people around her to be able to say, okay, no more of this, right? Like right now, for whatever reason, associating with J.K. Rowling professionally is still like not a like black mark on your career they're still trotting out actors and stuff for these chapter readings on the harry potter website right i don't think any of them have said no i i i could be wrong i didn't see emma watson say anything about this and like last year she she did that whole uh instagram like criticism of jk's uh, transphobia with the shirt right and it's like if you if you want to bust out that shirt again sometime, that might be cool. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's 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 I I I think the thing that frustrates me the most is just knowing that this still isn't enough, right? This is not the thing that is going to seriously force either her or the people around her to change her, their behavior, right? Mm-hmm. Which is too bad. I would love for this to be the thing that, like, gets the Fantastic Beasts movie handed over to different people or canceled or... Or canceled! That sounds great! I I just... I know that this isn't the thing that's going to make her be held accountable for anything. So and And that's definitely a shame. On the other hand, it is still very, very fun to think about how fucking embarrassed she must have been when she accidentally sent that tweet. Like, that makes me feel good in my demon heart. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take that, for sure. Speaking of her Twitter behavior, there's one There's one last funny end cap to this, I think. 
I'm sure everyone knows she is still, like, blasting the timeline with these Ichabog drawings. And she did post, you know, uh, a little bit later after all this happened uh, and and the other uh, major international news story started happening. She did post a, like, I, I guess, like, on par with other liberal celebrities, like, Black Lives Matter tweet. She then said, oh, I'm go- I'm doing a few hours radio silence of retweeting these Ichabogs in, you know, in solidarity or whatever. Then, <laughs> I think it was 16 minutes later, started retweeting them again. I I think that was the timestamp that I that I figured out between all those <laughs> tweets. It was not several hours of radio silence. But then because of course she she at uh, first did not pin that tweet and someone asked her like, "Hey, like you you know, what's uh w- you know, what's your stance on all this? You you have such a huge platform. Let me find I can find the exact exact quote here." Uh, we're in the middle of this huge movement against fascism. You have this huge platform and you're doing nothing. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. And then JK Rowling <laughs> wordlessly sends her a screenshot of her tweet. Like like a clapback screenshot of her own tweet. It's incredible. Truly and the, incredible. And unfazed, you know, the, the God God bless her, the person who, who who you know asked her about this said, Don't get me wrong, I love kids, I love drawings. I haven't seen your latest work, but I bet they're great. But I literally had to scroll, I don't even know how many tweets to see this. <laughs> I had to scroll through two million Ichabogs to find this. <laughs> oh, she's already unpinned it. It was pinned like for a day, I guess. But now, now the only pin that I can see is another Ichabog one. So, thanks, Joe. Good job. Holy shit! Oh my god! I can't believe that she literally did the like. That's enough feminism for today. Post, but for real, like <laughs> I am sure that whenever she does get around to to, to donating something or, or starting a charity or whatever, it will move you know, way more than we could ever raise for anything. But, like, right now, it's just kind of weird, right? Like, she made one tweet and then got so pissed off when someone asked her about her stance on it, she just sent, like, a cool clapback tweet screenshot of it. Just, goddamn. I I would like to, since we've been manifesting things into the world, I just, I would like to manifest her going away from Twitter. (sighs) I need the reprieve. These news, like, once upon a time, I think the news segment used to be my favorite segment on the show because, like, that was when I got to I got to post the silliest stuff. I got, you know, I got to say like, "Hey, they're making a dumb escape room in Kentucky, and the video is really funny," or like, "Hey, the game trailer leaked," or "Hey, the subreddit." found out that the the Dobby Memorial had been knocked over or whatever. <laughs> that is super fun. I'm tired of having to say that JK Rowling is is uh, uh acting acting the fool on Twitter again. I'm tired of it. Go away. Let us recharge for at least another year before coming back. I think I mean, you know, it's hard it's hard to look into the past, but I swear to god it's worse this time. Like this is just like the worst version of her being back on Twitter. I, yeah. I I know it was not good before, but it was so much just like, 
epic clapbacks on Donald Trump all day long. I felt like I got nostalgic <laughs> for that. And now that she's back, I'm like, never mind. I don't want yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. It is not, it is not worth it. The Ichabod sure as fuck isn't worth it. That's my take. I tried reading some more of that. Have not been able to get into it. Did you? Did you read any more? No, I'm probably just gonna have to sit down for an afternoon and just read the whole thing once it's all out because there's yeah. no way I'm just gonna keep up with it in like an episode. I think that style. might be. Yeah, I think that might be a big part of the problem is that I can't like I could probably just like enjoy it as a children's book if I just read it front to back. Maybe my only interest in reading it is I want to know what it is about. Yes, Which sounds like, like a silly thing to say, but what I mean is, like, what is what is the message here? Right. When she says it's a political fairy tale, what does that mean? Like, is it going to be about Brexit? Is it going to be about trans people? Is it going to be another racism allegory? Like, what's going on? I have to know. Yeah. yeah, that's the other thing, too, is the idea that Harry Potter wasn't a political allegory is very funny to me. Like, oh, I'm doing something different this time. <laughs> I'm doing a political fairy tale, unlike Harry Potter. Everything she's written has been political. I mean, I, yeah. I don't mean that in the way of like everything, everything is political, is po- which I think, you know, is true. But I mean, like everything that she has written has been overtly about politics. Right. I she mean- finished Harry Potter and then wrote an adult novel about politics. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, like everything she writes is a polemic. Yes. I guess I don't know about the detective novels, right? Those might just be pulp, but... I don't know. It sure sounds like those are also polemics, right? Like, like that's more that's more inner city London stuff, and it also has her weird transphobia and anti-Palestinian uh, stuff in there. Oh so. yeah, I I read some passages because they popped back up after all of this happened, and I'm like, oh yeah, that is some like overly vile shit. Yeah. Hmm. So yeah. So yeah, her calling this her political fairy tale is just such a weird and funny thing that I I do need to read it at some point. But right now, I just I I need like like you say. I think I I just gotta wait for the full thing to, uh, the full thing to exist. That that's what we can do, and and we can read it in one in one go, and we can have our Ica podcast. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> the Ica pod episode. Uh huh. It'll be like a movie episode, but way worse. Yeah, we can learn about politics. Finally, someone can teach me about politics. <laughs> Why does she keep writing about politics and she doesn't know anything about them? Anyway. Yeah. Uh, sorry for the less fun than usual news segment, but this was just such a catastrophe of a week for her. And like right after we recorded an episode going like, huh, I wonder when the, when the mask is going to slip. And it turns out it was uh, mere hours after we finished recording for the day. So, so this is our, our our dutiful checkup on her and her behavior this week. Um, shall we relieve ourselves of uh, of this burden and talk about some a political fairy tale she wrote in two thousand seven instead? Yes, let's. I'm so excited to talk about this chapter. Yeah, um, who we. <laughs> Um, we read chapter four. It's called The Seven Potters. I've had a harder time writing my summaries in this book just because I'm not as familiar with it. So once again, bear with me on this one. Um, Harry watches the Dursleys drive away for the last time. He collects his things uh, and waits for the Order of the Phoenix to arrive to collect him. Uh, 
to get o- to to leave the Dursleys uh, once the the magic charm that protects him in their house falls. Um, in the meantime, as he's going around and collecting his things, he kind of reflects on all the times that he had at the Dursleys' house and spends some time talking to Hedwig about all of those times, uh, the times that the, he lived in the cupboard under the stairs and the times that he played uh, Dudley's uh, PC games, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and Hedwig is kind of ignoring him and is... Uh, not very enthusiastic. Um, the order arrives, um, and it's pretty much everyone. I'm not going to list all the characters, because I think it's like 14 of them, if my math is right. Uh, and they arrive on... Um, Sirius's motorcycle is there. Um, they come on brooms, and, and there are a few Thestrals as well. Um, some of the noteworthy characters in this scene, other than kind of the normal ones, which are like Hermione and Ron, uh, is Menungus Fletcher is there, um, Kingsley is there, it's just, it's just the whole crowd, also Lupin and Tonks are there, they got married, no big deal, um, Moody then explains the plan, apparently we're moving to a plan B because, uh, Pious Thickness, uh, was discovered to be compromised, and so they had to change to a different day and also a different plan. Uh, we find out what the plan is when Moody pulls out a flask that's obviously Polyjuice Potion, and it's revealed that half of the people will, so I guess six other people will be polyjuicing themselves to look like Harry Potter, and they will each be going with another member of the order who will protect them. Harry is going to go with Hagrid, and they're going to go fly to Tonks's parents' house, where they're, they'll port key to the burrow. And their idea is, is that, of course, the Death Eaters are going to be stationed there. They're going to see that they're moving, but they won't be able to group up and chase the real Harry because they won't be able to know who it is. Um, Harry says it's too dangerous. Um, Moody says, well, we're all adults here, so I guess it's okay. Um, they take Polyjuice Potion and they go. Harry's assigned to Hagrid and he has a moment where he's not too happy about it. He feels kind of like childish sitting in the sidecar of Sirius's motorbike when everyone else gets to be like on brooms and thestrals and it's cool and stuff. Um, and also Hagrid is like, I did some modification, me and Arthur did some modifications on this motorbike and there are some buttons on it. Um... But he doesn't say anything, and they go, and they lift off into the sky where they are immediately surrounded by a bunch of Death Eaters who are flying on brooms and such, and are attacked. Um, Hagrid and Harry, like, go, and everyone everyone scatters. Um, Hedwig is a, immediately eats a killing curse and dies, um, and Harry is very upset about it. Um, but we immediately go into like a chase sequence where Hagrid does like a series of like Batmobile style cartoon obstacles that come out of the motorbike, um, like a brick wall and a net. Um, and, but the Death Eaters are going to catch up. And so they have to use their go fast button and dragon flames come out of the motorbike. Um, also in the battle that happens and the big chase, the sidecar gets like hit and is going to fall and Harry levitates the sidecar with him in it and does some like cool blasting death eater moves um Hagrid grabs him stops him from falling they do some like more chase stuff use the fast car thing Harry drops the sidecar and blows it up with Hedwig's body in it Stan Shunpike shows up and is a death eater but his face is kind of blank and he says and Harry uses Expelliarmus on him and Stan says that's, that's the real one. And Harry's worried, like, oh no, they know I'm the real one. Then Voldemort shows up. He's flying. 
but they do a cool vertical dive and get, get away from him. Um, but they crash and maybe Hagrid jumps on a Death Eater that was on the ground and looks unresponsive. That's the end of the chapter. <laughs> I wish you could see how my eyes were glazing over listening to this. I had to read this like three times. I think this chapter is written so poorly. I had such a hard time following what was actually happening. Yeah. And so I might just still be wrong. Some of it, like, I feel like the action is so mushy and weird that it is really hard to follow what is actually happening. Yeah. Um, I, I'll, I'll, I guess I'll save like the bulk of my criticism for the action sequence till we get to it. But I just think that like, you could really pinpoint this chapter as just like a, uh, a, a monolithic example of how the magic systems in this story are not used in an interesting way when whenever the shit hits the fan. Yeah. Like, like this is just a car chase that that uses so little of what is potentially interesting about the magic in Harry Potter uh, that it, it really falls flat. No pun intended, because Hagrid also falls flat in this, but but, <laughs> but yeah. But we should start with the first part of the chapter, which is uh, Harry and everyone else giving other characters the world's most obvious death flags. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's this scene that starts the chapter off of Harry walking around the Dursley's house with Hedwig going like, oh, Hedwig... Haven't we had so many good times together? Remember this... all these times we've had. All these times we've had. Good and bad times. Mentioned maybe once a book. Uh, the... <laughs> oh, the, oh, the times we've had together. Um, oh, and Hedwig tragically is ignoring Harry. It would be so tragic and horrible if she died terribly in a few minutes. <laughs> Why doesn't he let her out of the fucking cage? There's no reason for this. The Dursleys are gone. She's locked up in the cage because the Dursleys got would get mad if an owl was flying around. Once they're gone, just let her out. You've yeah. let her out and had her like meet you later before. What the fuck is the point of keeping her in the cage for this journey? Uh, so you can carry her around in the Jersey's house and remember all of these times remember that we've had that we've never fucking seen. Oh God, there that was that was the part that got me because there was there was a part where I was like, I was like, oh, a funny joke is coming, and then it turned into a serious thing. When when Harry first starts like listing all of the things that have happened, though all of the times that he's had there, like the <laughs> the first one is like. Oh, Dudley vomited on that welcome mat, and like that's that was funny. funny. So I was like, I, and so I was like, oh, he's just gonna list all of like the, the the funny bad shit that's happened here, right? And it's gonna be glib. But no, then he starts talking about like sneak sneaking in some games and and getting something tasty from the fridge. I'm like, oh, these are all little moments of his that we've never seen ever. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I don't think we should have because they they sound really boring and they are just like all of the neutral times that he had at the Dursleys. But this is a, a place where you could have just gone around and remembered the times that we have seen because there have been plenty of them. Yeah, like remember the time that 
the like I fucking like blew up an ant. Remember, remember when Dudley was watching three TVs at once? Remember, remember when I was locked in a in a closet under the stairs? Good times. Like I thought that's where the joke was going. I thought it was going like like ah, remember all the horrible shit that's happened here? The memories, right? Like I, I was gearing up for a like good riddance so long kind of kind of thing here, but instead it was just kind of like oh. He's nostalgic for some stuff we never actually saw. Yeah, I mean, it kind of gets there a little bit with the cupboard, because we do go there, and Harry kind of looks in, and he's like, wow, I can't believe I used to sleep here. But his again, his internal life is falling so flat. It's similarly to last chapter, where it's like, the book won't commit to having him feel anything. Like, there are kind of two, two ways you could go with that. One is the more, like... I guess, darker, more serious direction where Harry's going around and thinking like, oh, I, I lived here with my, with my family and they hated and abused me and now I'm never going to be here again. You know, there's yeah. complex feelings there. Yeah. But that's, that's a little rough. Um, and the other ways, like you said, like a joke, right? Where you go around and go like, oh, fuck this place. But it just doesn't commit to anything. Yeah. I feel like this would have been a good place to like the the stuff we were talking about how the story has a tough time grappling with like the Dursleys as a character unit, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like that might have actually been the best way to do it is that to like maintain the Dursleys being like the weird kind of like dark rolled doll comedy all the way through. And then in this moment, have Harry have a real moment reflecting on like the very real feelings that that made him feel right mm -hmm. um i feel like that's a way you could kind of elegantly walk that line here the biggest question i have is what games does dudley have on his computer yeah what games is harry sneaking in to play on his on his pc it's like oh the dursleys oh they've taken dudley to see star wars or something the, the special editions are out in theaters right now i'm gonna Sneak onto Dudley's computer and play Total Annihilation. I'm going to play some Quake 2 on Dudley's computer. <laughs> I, I mean, that stuff, I know it's just a throwaway. And this is like kind of, I, I feel even silly bringing it up. But every time something like that does come up, obviously I don't need J.K. Rowling to be like, oh yeah, Harry likes Hogwarts, but he misses Quake 2. Um, but I can't believe for a story that is so much this like racism allegory and this like cultural divide between wizards and muggles that it literally never comes up. Right. Like we yeah. know that Harry's had these experiences. We know that he's watched muggle TV and like played computer games, but it is immaterial to his character in this world. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a missed opportunity. And I, I mean, I know that the answer is like, I don't know, J.K. Rowling probably just thought that, like, that was enough, right? Like, computer games, broadly, that's, you know, that's the thing that we're supposed to get out of that. But, like, I don't know. I want to know what Dudley... I, I want to know what Harry is, is risking getting caught sneaking a game in to play. Is he... Yeah. Is, is he playing... What, like, like is he playing Croc? Is he playing Myst? Is, 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 is Dudley... Uh, uh, continuing his sonic fandom does he have the pc version of sonic r that came out in the 90s like 
Like, I want to know if Harry goes and like talks to some of the other Muggleborn kids that are in his class. Like, yeah. oh, I, you know, I love Hogwarts. It's really cool, but I sure miss miss playing Sonic on the PC. I wish I could play some Lego Island. Right. Or is yeah. that like something that you can't talk about at Hogwarts? Is that like a taboo? Will you get made fun of? And we just don't. It yeah. just doesn't come up. Yeah. The, the presence of Muggleborn kids or like, even you know, even like Half-Blood kids is like never for for a story that's supposed to be about their struggle and like their their you know lack of acceptance in the wizarding world uh it never really comes up like what that life is like for them yeah and and i think that that's again the two kind the two meanings of the wizarding world one being the meaning that it had in the early books where it's just just mature like it's just better than the muggle world muggles <laughs> suck and are boring and right, computers yeah. are bowering and tv is bad and rots your brain and so go to the wizard world and that's where creativity and art and all of this stuff thrives but it's just like it's amazing how much book seven all brings that together to come to this screeching halt of any meaning at all yeah yeah yeah, like really, really the only thing I got out of this again is just like, oh, Hedwig's gonna die. Hedwig is so fucking dead <laughs> here. No one yeah. no character in fiction has been deader than Hedwig in this moment. Oh yeah. But then the uh the the the, the dumbass brigade shows up. Then we've got we've got Moody, we've got Tonks and Lupin, we've got Daniel Craig. We've got Fred and George, Ron and Hermione. Is that uh, is that everyone? Kingsley is there. Kingsley. Arthur Weasley is there. Because I think I think you have to have thirteen 14. people, right? Yes. Yeah. Because there are seven Harrys, including Harry, and then seven people to escort them. Yeah. That's oh, a I lot of them. characters. It's a lot of characters in one room. Um, and, and of course the ones who die, uh, are, are going to announce their, their death flags are nice, uh, nice and easy up front for us. We got Tonks saying, Hey, I got married. Check out my wedding ring, which we talked about this at the end of book six, like Harry's hilarious <laughs> reaction to a wedding announcement. He's so but, enthusiastic. He's like, oh, sweet. Like, oh, Congratulations, sweet. guys. <laughs> Why does he give a fuck? One, why does he care? And two, if he does care, why is he not upset that he wasn't invited? Yeah, he he just he just seems thrilled from the way that like a middle aged friend would be, <laughs> which is really funny. Like a middle aged acquaintance. Yeah. Like, yeah. like yeah, of course I wouldn't be invited to your small your small wedding. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to go anyway. <laughs> but congratulations! I love that for you guys. <laughs> This also sucks so bad. Like, this is something we're going to have to talk about a lot more once they they fucking bite it at the end of the book. But, like, <laughs> man, it sucks what they did, what, what J.K. Rowling did to Tonks. Like, yeah. just just such a fucking bummer. How, you, it's just so fucking lame. You introduce, you introduce, like, the cool girl character. That's right. Uh, you give her, you give her the cool punk hair. She's she you know she dresses crazy. Uh, she doesn't play by your rules. She's also a shapeshifter. She's your deviant art OC, and then she just like 
just just up and gets married has like spurts out a kid and then dies like cool thanks a lot <laughs> great great character she's fulfilled her life's purpose yeah for creating and then she can just fucking die i guess off screen yeah yeah, I there. I think also the other criticism that is always level at this, which I I, I always have a fun time with because I I don't think it's wrong, but I think it's 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 similar to like a lot of the Snape discussions, right? Where it's like, I I do agree that Tonks is queer coded in that like oh like she wrote a like uh, a punky tomboyish girl with short pink hair in the nineties, right? Sure. Um, that's a lot of like subculture signaling. However, I'm not sure J.K. Rowling knows that. I think she, I think she like, <laughs> I think she like, you know, opened opened a book of like punk, like like punk teens or whatever, and just like like put her finger on a random photo and was like, there, she, there she is. There's Tonks. Yep. Um, which uh, which which makes that very funny in the same way that like Snape, you know draws from decades and decades of like queer coded villain characters even though i like i'm not saying like oh and snape is obviously gay it's just like no she's just seen a million movies where like the bad guy is a swishy vamp right like yeah she uh, spent her spent her weekend watching disney movies or something (laughs) exactly but yeah tonk's just like showing up and just announcing like hey i'm trad now really funny She's got her cool hair back, though. She's got, she's got her cool hair back because she just needed to get laid, I guess. That's right. Um, Lupin does not have his cool hair back. He's, I guess he's like, he's like, you know, blowing his happiness out and his loads into into Tonks. Because <laughs> uh, he's looking, because he's not, Lupin's like not even 40, right? He'd be like 37 here. I think maybe the implication is that being a werewolf makes you age really fast. I I'm not sure if that is like a yeah. very clumsy into the the AIDS metaphor oh, it's thing that she's that. doing. For sure, it's a hundred percent that, right? It's just like that sucks God. so bad. Yeah, fucking blows. Like like two two of my potentially my favorite characters just getting mashed together to fulfill the like the like these characters have to get married and have a baby uh uh prophecy uh and then and then just becoming boring useless inconsequential characters it sucks yeah i i've always loved lupin he's always one of my favorite characters werewolves are extremely cool obviously um i didn't have i don't think i ever had much of a connection with tonks or felt very strongly about her one way or the other but like way to just like assassinate both of these characters somehow yeah yeah like like you know i uh, speaking of tonks being queer coded like lupin again also more so right with the marauders stuff and like just the way that jk rowling naturally writes like male relationships in this series Mm -hmm. uh, as they're just sort of like naturally homoerotic uh like it's 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 a bummer it sucks to just like ruin two potentially cool characters (laughs) at once right it's it's also amazing in a series that i think regardless of how close you're reading it people really connect with the characters people have written uh you know thousands of epic length novels about about like 
side characters mm-hmm. in this series. And to watch Lupin and Tonks show up, be like, we got married. And Harry to go like, congratulations, you guys. I love that for you. It's so, it's so bizarre to see them <laughs> sidelined into this role for no reason. Especially because they're just about to fucking die anyway. Like, this is their death flag again. Like, this is the, this is them turning to the camera and saying like, like, hello, hello, commander or hello, Captain Kirk. I'm John. I'll accompany you on this away mission. Right. Like it's, 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 it's just, it's unnecessary. Why, why act them this way or, or why portray them as having like, like, Oh, finally they got married. And that like, that's, that's, you know, that's the ending arc for these characters. Like why do that? for any any reason if you're just gonna like kill them off screen later anyway it's just the most boring way of creating shock in this in this story yeah i i'll be very curious to see how it like goes down because they died at the battle of hogwarts right yeah i think they're just like among the bodies at the end that harry sees and it's like supposed to be some commentary like in war, you never know. It could be gone in an instant. It's like, yeah, but this is a book and I like the characters and I'd like to know what happens to the characters, please. Well, it's Moody's time to die. It's it to is symbolically die ahead of time or maybe <laughs> die. Literally, I'm not sure. Yeah, Moody, I think Moody does die in this in, in this chapter as well. But he because he also sure uh raises some death (laughs) flags here but i think the main thing i want to talk about here is something that we've discussed at length already in this on this podcast but i think it it like reaches a zenith here with moody and this polyjuice potion about how nothing means anything anymore yeah i think that's other than the i guess like bad action i think that the our continued thesis being proven in this in this chapter of just the Deathly Hallows is about taking these symbols and these these objects that are made by the in the world and like taking all the meaning out of them. The Polyjuice Potion here has become a video game item. Yeah, it's so bad. I I was thinking back on the Polyjuice Potion and kind of what it meant to the story. Um, Obviously, I think we had a lot of criticisms about about kind of the meaning and the thematics of Chamber of Secrets and Goblet of Fire. Mm-hmm. And, and when I think back, if I, if I were to talk about the the Polyjuice Potion in in Book Two, it's like you know it it's it's there. It kind of it does something for Hermione's character. I think um, that she is willing to to kind of try to find out who is. Um, who is doing these terrible crimes, uh, opening the chamber of secrets. And, and it's kind of like an at all costs thing. Plus it, I mean, it shows how, how smart she is. She's doing a potion that is, I think described as being both very difficult for even adult wizards mm-hmm. to do. And is also dark magic, right? They have to go into the, the restricted section, find this like, horrible evil book with all of these evil spells in it to find the polyjuice potion and it's and it's painful and it's disgusting and all this stuff but they're gonna do it because they have to fight this injustice that's happening at the school mm-hmm. and then Goblet of fire um it kind of turns that on its head right it is it is crouch jr's 
like evil plan. He's an evil guy and he's using the evil potion to betray Harry, right? Mm-hmm. The potion is kind of turning on Harry. What he used to to deceive his way into the Slytherin common room is being used against him in, in like probably by my favorite villain in the whole series. I'm oh, already yeah. I'm already biased to the idea of like the chameleon villain, right? Yeah. Um, I think that's so cool. Having Moody or like Crouch Jr. step in and and perform that role that we'd seen repeated in the series of like the trustworthy teacher father figure to Harry, but having that sinister undercurrent was very cool. And to have it be Polyjuice Potion, which we know was something they used, was very cool. Here, it's a video game item. Not only a video game item that I think is basically retconned in this chapter because when they put... Harry's like hair in it instead of being gross like Crab and Goyle's potion it's like beautiful and golden and like tastes good or whatever (laughs) which makes me so fucking mad because that to me is just a joke like a throwaway line joke that just became canon I guess that it was like oh it was gross because it was crab and goyle and they're gross and fat and icky yeah Uh, but Harry is cool so the potion is good and that sucks so bad yeah the idea that the polyjuice potion reflects like your essential like nature or something is very fucking stupid yeah I mean wasn't the like potion that the cat hair was in still also gross yeah, and cats. We know cats are beautiful, wonderful creatures. Exactly. Yeah. It did, like it. They were all gross. That was the point. It was like a gross potion that was in a dark magic book and was what like evil wizards use. Um, and then to have like I feel like to add insult to injury, it is wielded by real Moody. Yeah. And With was like the zero tool- irony, zero reflection. Just not Harry doesn't even think about it. It like he was betrayed by Crouch Jr. It's not disturbing to him. It's just like, oh yeah, we're gonna use this like evil potion that Moody has also. Yeah. Ugh, it makes me so angry. It's the Moody is such a problem character in this because the thing is, Crouch Jr. Moody, I would agree with you, is maybe the best villain in the series, and honestly, one of my favorite characters, I think, in the series. Mm-hmm. Um, like you say, like the way he is able to manipulate Harry using all of the same like behaviors and actions that like the Harry has like trusted in the previous books is so powerful and scary and like thematically interesting like i think that the goblet of fire for as messy as that book is i think that the the moody stuff is like the closest that the series comes to having like a real like self-reflexive moment right Mm -hmm. of like and like it's thematic like that we you know we've talked at length about like how in in its best moments goblet of fire just has so many interesting like allegorical and literal uh, uh, mini stories about like losing your innocent view of the world mm-hmm. and like becoming an adult and realizing that things are not so like, like, like this sounds corny, right? Cause I, I don't mean in the sense that like morality is gray, but like not so black and white, right? Like the trustworthy seeming people are not always the most trustworthy people. 
like not everyone's intentions are, are good. Like it, like it just, it, it, it is the part where Harry Potter as a series, like the transition to like a more layered adult novel really does feel like thematically mature. Right. And, and not just like more violent or gory or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the problem moving forward is that because the real Moody is alive and shows up a lot in scenes in books five, six and, and seven, like this is a ghost character. I don't know who real Moody is. I only know fake Moody. There's like one good characterful scene we get of real Moody in book five where he gives Harry the photo of the old order. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of it, really. The, there's so much about Moody in, in, like, the real Moody that is just assumed because we spent so much time with fake Moody. Where And, like, all the characters are just like, wow, I can't believe fake Moody did such a good job of pretending to be Moody. But, like, that's just that's just weird. It doesn't work. They, like, they're fundamentally not the same person, right? Or at least I hope not, right? Because, like... Fake Moody was evil, and normal Moody is, you know, not evil. So it, it it's it's so weird that we have this character that is like characterized by a version of him that is not him, for the most part. It's it's really strange, and I and I understand that part of it is that the other teachers and the adults knew real Moody. Mm-hmm. And so fake Moody had to act like real Moody in a way that would make them believe it. Yeah. I <laughs> But the idea and what the book seems to have leaned on or at least is using as a crutch sort of is the idea that he was such a good actor that he basically was real Moody at the same time. And that's just not how it works that's like cheap right like like that doesn't that doesn't bridge the gap between those two characters no matter how good a job he did and i mean i i like i it it kind of it makes me sad because the idea of the evil of of fake moody of Krauss jr would even be that of course he would act appropriately around the adults that he was trying to fool Mm -hmm. but that he was being sinister at harry right but it sure seems like fake moody crouch jr as moody became such a beloved character yeah that he was just kind of railroaded into being real moody also (laughs) because people were like oh he's so cool which is bizarre because he was so scary and so evil yeah. and manipulating Harry in like <laughs> what was like a fundamental betrayal of Harry's character to take advantage of his like seeking an authority figure that he could trust. Mm-hmm. I I can't I can't get over that Harry is unaffected by this. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's super weird. Like, like he just sees real Moody open his cloak and reveal, like, a bandolier 
of of polyjuice potions and is just like okay his strongest objection is that he's not you know he he's he doesn't want other people to die for him not like he has no no, no 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 nothing gets triggered and harry is like oh my god i remember last time i saw moody holding polyjuice potion oh i need i need to take a moment right like that that doesn't even enter his mind. He just goes full like hero mode about it. Yeah, and also <laughs> like to, the the way that conversation goes down is so stupid too because Harry's just like, "No, I'm not going to allow people to die for me." And I'm pretty sure Moody is just like, "It's okay, they're all 17." Harry's like, <laughs> "Okay." Which <laughs> again, like, I, I hate to harp on this Moody stuff so much, but, like, that was the scary... Part of the scary part of Crouch Jr. is that he was acting um, inappropriately toward the students in the way of, like, being the, like, cool adult that's like, oh, no, you're grown up. You can know this. You can yeah. know about the torture spell. And so right. to have this guy be like, ah, you're all 17. It's fine. And I'm like, this is the same guy. Yeah. This is Crouch Jr. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just... It's like... It's like a one of those weird like like it, it just makes me think of, I don't know like I I'm trying to think of an exact example but I think Star Trek has done this a couple times right where like a beloved character dies but obviously we need to bring them back so we just get like an alternate universe version of them back sure and like if you think about it too hard that's not the same that's like fundamentally not the same character but everyone just keeps on moving forward like this is the same character and moody can't like you can't do that with moody like it's it's clumsy when a serial tv show does it but it's like anathema to the story when harry potter does it with moody because it's like that was like fundamentally what moody's crouch jr moody's story was about was like not not being who he said he was and sneakily manipulating children (laughs) Yeah, I I just and like I don't need Harry to have this like realistic trauma reaction to what's going on, but to just have this character have Polyjuice Potion and have it be the plan and it just going unremarked upon is just so wild. Like for for even I think at the very least I would have liked if this was Moody's plan for him to acknowledge the irony of it, right? Uh, yeah, like, if he had just had one line where he's like, ironic, huh, Potter? Yeah, or just been like, I don't want to do this, but it's the only way, right? Like, like just just, just have, have Moody acknowledge that this also, like, affected him in book four, right? Like, Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a mess. Um, you also mentioned the throwaway joke that the Polyjuice stuff exists for. I just want to read that because it is <sighs> awful. I hate uh, it so much. <laughs> the moment it made contact with its surface, the potion began to froth and smoke, and then all at once it turned into a clear, bright gold. Ooh, you look much tastier than crab and goyle, Harry, said Hermione, before catching sight of Ron's raised eyebrow, blushing slightly, blushing slightly and saying, Oh, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I also like that um, uh, Moody's, like, big speech about why they need to use the Polyjuice Potion in this sequence involves uh, saying, 
However, this is you-know-who we're dealing with, so we can't just rely on him getting the date wrong. Which is so funny. <laughs> Thinking about how we had the whole chapter when this book started of Voldemort and Snape and that other guy arguing about like what date they're doing the child murder on. It, this it veers so close to like accidental comedy, right? Where it just seems like it should be a smash cut between like Voldemort <laughs> being like, "What if we have the wrong day?" and them arguing back and forth like it's a fucking Austin Powers scene, and then they like like smash cut to Moody being like, "Oh well, we know that he he's not he's gonna have them stationed. He won't get messed up on like being on the wrong day." Yeah, yeah. Speaking of things being used as tools that used to, like, have thematic weight. Yeah. It's like, Polyjuice being the biggest one here. But what? how about the Thestrals being part of the plan here? Yeah, what is this, an MMO? Like, did they just, like, oh, we introduced the concept of Thestrals and their, like, thematic meaning. But now they drop from the boss. And so three, <laughs> of, three of our party members have Thestrals they get to ride on. How come Harry can see Thestrals if they're invincible? <laughs> Ah, oh, well, that's the podcast. There we go. The whole podcast has been building up to an over-a-decade-old wow joke. I hope Amazing. everyone had a good time. <laughs> but seriously, like, like the, the Thestrals... I mean, like, the Thestrals were already, like, in a clumsy area of, like, like losing their cool, uh, like, thematic status, right? And when they were used for, like, a convenient, like, well, we got to fly to the ministry moment in five. Mm -hmm. But, like, this is so weird because I, I guess... I guess it's confirming. I, I, I actually don't know. Is this, do, or do we get like essential confirmation in this scene that like all of these characters can see them? No, it doesn't confirm shit. It's just there because it's cool. Yeah, like like I guess I guess there's just a, a winged death horse, a couple of winged death horses here chilling because because we need to have some mounts for people who don't like broomsticks. I also like that that. Like broomsticks are already one of the more like 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 I mean obviously like they are symbolic of like classic fairy tale witchcraft, right? But like they are one of the more boring modes of transportation in this series. Um and the idea that like to spice things up for I guess the characters who don't like flying on a broom, I don't know if flying on a death horse is really that much like less scary right like if you don't like flying you probably just don't like flying yeah i would think so hermione gets to go on a death horse and she probably Hermi feels better about that than brooms which she is uncomfortable with yeah, i guess hermione hermione and floor go on the death horses uh i think very cool yeah it's it's just like yeah these 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 things that were supposed to be a symbol of like understanding what death was are now just cool mounts that you climb on after all the characters are assigned their death flags for the rest of the book i'd like to talk about a sequence of events mm. some some facts yeah actually mm -hmm. fact one kingsley is guarding the muggle president yes excuse me prime minister very serious he can't guard guard the guard the Dursleys because he's guarding the leader of the muggle world. Mm -hmm. Big job. 
Fact number two. Kingsley has come to the evacuation of Harry Potter because Harry Potter is more important than the president. <laughs> and Kingsley is like the best, coolest guy, right? Yeah. Like that's why uh-huh. he's assigned to the president, because he's like the best, coolest guy that they have. Probably the most competent. Fact number three. Harry has to go in a sidecar with the most incompetent fucking character in the whole series. <laughs> That as a motorcycle that was just had some mods by Hagrid and Arthur Weasley. I can't figure out the like stakes of this story. I also really, really like Kingsley's cool, like you're more important thing. When I think that also later on Kingsley, like the, the, the scene, the, the line that gets, you know, posted on Instagram every day, Kingsley saying like, no human life is worth more than another. Everyone is valued exactly the same. <laughs> right? Like. <laughs> um, but yeah, why if this is such a big deal and and Kingsley is the best of the best, why why do they do it that way? I guess the answer that we get is Harry immediately like going for his firebolt and Moody going, No, no, we think they'll expect you to be on a broom. They'll expect you to go with like the way that makes sense at all. So we're going to do the dumbest thing possible. It's like every episode of like a children's show where they make a robot to like fight a chess. No, it's like a person has to fight a chess robot. And the way that they win is by like making the most illogical moves possible. And then the computer explodes. That's what they think Voldemort is. (laughs) Right. Like, like if the, also if the idea is to like, run a decoy thing uh-huh. and they've gone to the lengths of giving everyone polyjuice potion and also i might add fake headwigs uh uh yeah one of, yeah one of, yeah one of the <laughs> details here is that they have given everyone a fake headwig so it looks like harry from afar like, like down to the, the same luggage why are they using different kinds of transportation to make it easier to differentiate between them. Isn't the whole point is that this is supposed to be a snow job? Like, why would you, why would you not make all of them identical? Why do they not have the, it just, I I hate that. It makes no sense. I don't even want to go there. I'm like, why don't they just actually disguise the competent orers as Harry Potter (laughs) and Harry fly on a broom? It just, no, they brought a bunch of children to be fake Harry Potters, to try to have as many casualties as possible, I guess. Oh God, yeah, it is. It is such a stupid plan, and the the weird, it, the the weirdest part of this, I think, is, and I think that this is short sighted, and I think that like this is trading like a good idea early for like bad dividends later. Mm. So the thing about, like, thickness under the pretense of protecting Harry, blocking all the flu networks and apparition and whatnot in and out of the house, like, like that is a smart-sounding idea, I think. Sure. However, it hamstrings this scene's ability to utilize anything that is cool about transportation in Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Like... I was thinking about this and about how, like, you know, it, it sucks that this basically boils down to a standard car chase. Mm-hmm. When, like, if 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 J.K. hadn't like 
shot herself in the knee here and like like you know said like okay we can't use flu powder we can't use apparition etc cetera, etc cetera. that this is an opportunity to lean into that stuff and make like seven books worth of like describing what flu powder is and describing what port keys are describing what apparition is that this is the moment to to like use all that stuff imagine a chase sequence that's like on foot but they're like going through flu network like things all over the world right like oh mm-hmm. we ran into the white house ho ho ooh now we're in africa ooh now we're in russia whoa like like i don't know like that's goofy but like that utilizes a thing that's existed that we've only ever actually seen once right the like the like harry harry took the flu powder thing one time in book two and then never again yeah that's kind of amazing i think that he's used it a couple times to do some fire calls because he went and did oh, umbridge's office but other than that he's never i do think it just was the one time that he used it to travel to diagon alley yeah yeah and and, and like I, I i just don't understand uh uh handicapping yourself like that like like i, I feel like if if you are going to and like you know, I I think that maybe at the end of the day, the real answer is a chase sequence is just ill-advised in this series, right? Like it's not an action series, but like if you're going to do it, do it and go all out. Like use all of the tools, not like limit yourself to just like, well, a broom is basically a car. <laughs> like it's just it's a vehicle that they ride and, and zip around in. it's not really exciting uh compared to like the possibilities of all of these other magical transportation devices that we've we've seen before yeah i mean it's so interesting here that it is another one of those where i'm like was this written for the movie yeah Cause, I, mean, cause I mean they they can write chase sequences into a book for a movie that doesn't exist i don't think you got to put it in the novel <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but yes, this the the bizarre way that they like first that it, it's like first like the the possibility of any interesting other magical things appearing in the story is written out immediately. Then they go to the lengths of giving everyone apologies potions. So they look like Harry, but then also not the same room. So they're all riding, you know, horses or motorcycles or whatever, like. It just feels like a lot of work to get to bog standard chase sequence. Yeah, and I know that it's... It doesn't help that it's kind of the dumbest plan possible. I I know that it's stupid to always be like, oh, well, why didn't they just do this? But when the chase sequence isn't very interesting and you just wish it was over, it's hard not to let your mind wander and be like, well, Harry has like... a." a cloak that grants him perfect invisibility. So I'm not really sure why they're doing this. <laughs> well, yeah. Why? Why not just, why not use the deathly hallow in the book, the deathly hallows? Yeah. Why not maybe walk outside of the boundary and then just like teleport away? I just, <laughs> <laughs> the chase sequence is not good. Also, no. I, I, again, like I said this, and, and I'm curious if this was your experience, but I had a really hard time following the action here, which hasn't really been an issue in a lot of the action that J.K. Rowling has written so far. But something just about the like mechanics of this chase sequence, it's very repetitive 
because they use the like flame turbo boost like mm-hmm. three times and none of the death eaters that are chasing them are named because they you can't tell who they are until Stan Shunpike and it just I don't know it doesn't it didn't read very well to me no it really doesn't read well I I think the biggest problem I had going into it was I mean so so one it is a like it is a James Bond car chase right like uh-huh. Haggard is driving a motorcycle with James Bond buttons on it that he can press to make gadgets happen. Um, yeah. I don't where, think that's a great idea. Here. Yeah. Like that's just fundamentally not a great idea for Harry Potter. I don't think um, the description of the movement of the motorcycle is clumsy because it's like, I mean, like we know what motorcycles do. They drive on the ground. They don't fly. And, I'm not saying that you can't have a flying motorcycle car chase. Like, that's a cool idea, I guess, like, on paper. But it's just sort of written like a motorcycle driving. And it's, like, and, and that's a really hard thing for me to, like, qualify. Like, I, I, I realize I might sound completely crazy here, but, like, th- there's there's a weird sense of, like, I, I kept forgetting they were flying, first of all. Um, mm-hmm. And the moments I did remember they were flying were sometimes also confusing. And I think the one that really tripped me up was, and then out of nowhere, out of nothing, they were surrounded. At least 30 hooded figures suspended in midair formed a vast circle in the midst of which the order members had riv- ridden oblivious. And I assume that, that that means that they were all flying on broomsticks, right? Like uh-huh. they all appeared on broomsticks. But because... This is also a series where we know Voldemort can fly. And I know that only Voldemort can actually fly. But well, like this and... is and Snape, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the problem, right? It's like did oh, did Snape and like we had we had Harry, you know, teach everyone Patronuses in a week or whatever. Did maybe maybe when they finally stopped arguing about what day they were going to kill Harry Potter on Snape and, and Voldemort were like, all right, everybody, let's go out into the courtyard. It's time to learn to fly. <laughs> it's just a little clumsy. <laughs> I and think this, I think this um, chapter is our first Voldemort canonical flight, right? This is where that all cam- comes from. Oh, you might be right. Yeah. Cause he, yeah. Cause he's, he's zooming around flying in this chapter. <laughs> but i just it is, it, this is comedy to me truly yeah. the the entire chase sequence is so funny and what a it like makes my brain break because i understand the language that's happening where i'm supposed to be like devastated that hedwig died and to be fair i am and, and harry's having this moment where he's like getting over being stunned that she's dead and having to do this like tragic thing where he blows up the sidecar but it is comedy (laughs) it is the the, so i realized reading this that our like our our dread sense of dread going into the hedwig death is based on the movie version because i think in the movie it's where she gets dropped out of the no i think that i think that we have both had like a collective delusion both of us, because I think that we both had the memory that she fell out of the motorcycle in her cage to her death. Yeah. And, that, and, and that the movie was different because they have her block a killing curse. 
And that's yeah. what I thought that it was. I read this chapter and I had to immediately go online to see if that had, it had been edited or this was like a different edition. Uh-huh. Um, she just eats a killing curse in the cage, is dead at the bottom, and then it tries to make this emotional moment out of Harry using the sidecar as a bomb while knowing that Hedwig's <laughs> body is in there. <laughs> But I think the movie version might. I think in the movie she might just fall out of the car. No, or she no she she blocks a killing curse and flies. And the reason I know that is because I was on the wiki and it looks really bad and it's CG. Oh fuck yes. Okay, so we we had like I guess collectively invented a way more fucked up death for Hedwig. Yeah, we both had like a horrible Final Destination, like her falling to her death alive while in her cage. But oh, that doesn't I'm happen. Gonna, I'm gonna go crazy trying to figure out where I got that idea from now. I because I th- I thought it was the book, and then I guess when I read this, I was like, oh, that must be the movie. But if it's neither, where did I get that idea? Because it's so it. vivid in my mind. I know. Me too. Huh. I, I really, when I read this, I thought that maybe it had been changed. Like, yeah. it was too sad or something and had been changed in further editions, but doesn't seem like it. The way that it happens here is just straight up comedy. Like, first of all, the, like, <laughs> I know that it is actually sad and cruel, but there is something very funny to me about, like, just because of what we know about the killing curse and how it's changed over the series now, the idea of like Hedwig getting the like Dumbledore knocked off the tower strength blast inside her cage and like bouncing around like a source engine, like physics object (laughs) is very funny to me. And then the like mournful action Harry takes of like blowing up the, the, uh, the, the 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 fucking sidecar with her in it like a with a frag grenade is so <laughs> funny like it's just it's just fucking absurd it, it, I, it, I can't believe this tries to both have the shock of a terrible loss during a battle thing like i feel like that that's the vibe it's going for yeah. where it's supposed to be like the like ear ringing horror action slows down mm-hmm. but in a scene where hagrid is like shooting brick walls out of a motorcycle <laughs> and harry's blowing up a sidecar like it's it's crazy it'd be like an episode of wacky races where muttley just got shot in the head <laughs> There's a part in here that I still don't understand. And maybe you can shed light on this. I know I mentioned it in my summary. The sidecar gets knocked off of the motorcycle and Harry, like when Guardian Leviosa's himself and time slows down and he's like in the sidecar that's disconnected from the motorcycle doing like a jump parkour he does move. A double jump. With Wingardium Leviosa. If you're asking if I can make sense of that for you, no. I, okay. I, I can't. I read it like three times and I still don't really understand. Can you yeah. Wingardium Leviosa yourself? Is that what Voldemort realized? It's the sidecar. He he does it to the sidecar. That much I remember. Okay, so can't you Wingardium Leviosa your own shoes? Like, Right, like this is this is the old troll physics comic of like if you jump off a building standing on a chair and then jump off the chair right before you hit the ground, you'll be fine. It's the two 
it's the fucking two forklifts lifting each other up. <laughs> there, yeah, uh, in desperation, Harry pointed his wand at the sidecar and shouted when Guardian Leviosa. The sidecar rose like a cork, unsteerable, but at least still airborne. He had but a split second's relief, however, as more curses streaked past him. The three Death Eaters were closing in. I'm coming, Harry, Hagrid yelled out of the <laughs> darkness. But as Harry could feel the sidecar begin to sink again, crouching as low as he could, he pointed at the middle of the oncoming figure figures and yelled impedimenta. So, yeah, I guess he just did a double jump. I think that's the best I can reason with it. This seems wrong to me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know... Like, I, I know that I keep asking for creative uses of magic in this, but this doesn't cut it for me. I, I don't think that Hagrid shooting a brick wall out of the back of his car like a Mario Kart item is what I want out of this. and Or or Harry doing a double jump with Wingardium Leviosa in the sidecar. Mournfully blowing up a sidecar with the owl body in it. There are so many parts in this that read as comedy that I keep on wondering if they like. So obviously we talked about the him, you know, wandering around the Dursleys' house and going like, "Wow, this doesn't this place suck?" Ah, oh, the memories, right? The one I'm still like grappling with is this segment segment here. The closest Death Eater swerved to avoid it and his hood slipped, and by the red light of his next stunning spell, Harry could see the strangely blank face of Stan Shunpike. Expelliarmus, Harry yelled. That's him. It's him. It's the real one. Is this a joke about Expelliarmus? I, I legitimately can't tell. I, like, this is such a serious moment for that gag, if that's the case. Just this idea that they have, they have like an enthralled Stan Shunpike confirm to them what the, which the real Harry is because he used the spell he always uses. Um, there's a part at the beginning of the chapter that I forgot to mention uh, when Moody is kind of debriefing the plan. And he says that like, because Snape is a traitor, um, the Death Eaters are going to have all this intel because Snape will have told Voldemort stuff that he wouldn't have told him before. And his example is that Harry is good at broom flying. So, <laughs> so maybe, maybe those, were the, those were the two insider juicy deets that Snape shared with Voldemort. It's like, one, he plays sports. Two, watch out for Expelliarmus. <laughs> fucking stupid even if here's the thing even if it's not the intended joke there's no other way for me to read it no it's like ah yes i've i've you want to know the real shit my lord well, guess what <laughs> he's got a fast broom and he uses it and also every time he gets in a fight he uses the same spell he just spams the same move over and over again <laughs> i mean i knew that expelliarmus is like a thing like an in-fandom joke, but to hear it pop up here is crazy. I feel like I'm reading fan fiction. Yeah. Yeah, the idea that, like, like Thrall Stan uh, uh, recognizes it. I, I like, I... I, maybe there maybe there's another reveal coming of like what what actually happened there but i swear that that's that's the only way i can read it just in this moment just being like wait a minute hold on is this a gag because it's because if it is it's kind of funny but it's like 
it, it that's the tone that the old books had, not this one. It's a little too meta for this, and specifically this scene also. Yeah, yeah. If it if it's intended, it's it's a weird gag to to go with here. Um. Yeah, I the the logistics of this chase. It's 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 also very. I think broadly, I think what is so frustrating about this sequence is that it it makes a big promise up front that it just doesn't deliver on, which is like, imagine you're going to the movie. Imagine you're like going to see a fast and furious movie or something. Vin Diesel and the rock and all his buds get in seven cars and they're like, they're, they're going to be expecting, expecting one of us. So we're going to, we're going to break up and, and you know, Mia Familia, we're going to drive seven cars in this chase (laughs) to confuse them. Yeah. And you're like, fuck yes, I'm going to see seven cars in a car chase and it's going to be going to it's going to be badass. And instead, six out of the seven cars just drive off and then you just have a normal car chase with one car. That's what happens here. We get seven Potters and there we get like seven different fake Harry Potters. And then it literally says the other six were all oblivious to the Death Eaters that Harry saw. And then it's just a Hagrid and Harry fight fight scene. We don't get like, I don't know. We don't get like 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 there's there's no like uh, distraction maneuvers. You I don't know. You could have like all seven of them fly in formation to like smoke screen it. You could like have them swap vehicles. Like there's so many things you could do to make that concept fun. This idea that like seven decoys are all participating in this chase but that's not what happens they all just fuck off and then we get a normal car chase yeah i mean kingsley is like supposed to be like the coolest badass horror guy and he doesn't get he's like flying around on a death horse and we don't get to see it yeah we don't get to see fucking any of it this is this is taylor lautner's abduction the guy holding the world's coolest revolver for the entire (laughs) third act and never firing it like I want to see them. I want to see the Death Horse do some shit. If you must bring the Death Horse into this, I yeah. want to see it. I mean, you know, I'm worried. I'm so worried because we're only on chapter four, and I'm afraid that this is just going to be the story of the whole book, where I have to bring up symbols and talk about how they don't mean anything anymore. <laughs> but I'm apparently just going to do it because I have to. Um, the motorcycle. What an idea to have Harry leave the Dursleys on the same vehicle that he arrived as a baby and be delivered by this, like the same person that he's taken away with, but he's grown and now he's like embarrassed to be in the sidecar. How things have changed all of these times. All of these times. No, it's okay. The motorcycle is, is a cartoon James Bond vehicle. It's, it's fucking <laughs> Mario Kart now. <laughs> It sucks so bad. <laughs> yeah, there's a real like potential like in the horsey rode in on vibe here. Right. That's just wasted, right? But it's like, so obvious too, right? Like you don't do that's not an accident. Yeah. Um and, and Harry is very introspective about it before they leave, even. It it has Because it's like, huge, oh, is this serious? Yeah, it has like a huge spotlight on it and then just immediately goes to to Cartoon Town. I do like I do like that Harry is like, wow, is this serious as motorcycle? And Hagrid's like, yeah, and I fucked around with it. <laughs> I put some real dumb shit in it. You want to see? <laughs> this was 
This is your godfather's. Uh, I put a big purple button on it where when you press it, the NOS turns on. I put another button on it that uh, that plays... It's truly incredible. Um, also, uh, did you catch the part where Harry was fond to see Mundungus and even was like... Oh, I was happy to see Mundungus is here, even though the last time I saw him, I tried to choke him out. Yes, that was another moment where I was like, this feels like half of a funny joke. Like, like that would, like, if, if, there, if Harry and Mundungus had shared some sort of, like, awkward nod or something there, right? Or, like, you know, Harry had reflected, like, boy, I sure, I sure overreacted last time I saw this guy. Like, I feel like there, the potential for just some glib humor there is pretty high, but I don't, I can't tell if that was supposed to be a joke or if it was just like a, a, a fact, you know? It's, it's neither because it's just Harry trying to echo what we are supposed to be feeling because we love Harry Potter and we want to see this cast of characters. Oh, I'm so glad Mundungus is back. I remember him from book five. Mm. It sucks so bad. Mundungus is here. Oh, good. We get to see Mundungus again. I know him. <laughs> Except we don't, because then he turns into Harry and then flies away and isn't part of the chase. Yeah. I have a real big thing that I highlighted here that I want to ask you about. Sure. I'm very curious if you if you notice this and if it made you do a dinosaur stomp around the room like it did for me. Mm-hmm. As the pain from Harry's scar forced his eyes shut, his wand acted of its own accord. Oh my god, yes, I did have that. Yes, I have that highlighted. He felt yes. it drag his hand around like some great magnet. Then Wow. Somehow, Harry found his nose an inch from the dragonfire button. He punched it with his wand-free hand and the bike shot more flames into the air, hurtling straight towards the ground. Yes, I'm sorry I yelled. Yes, I did have that highlighted. I can't believe it. <laughs> Here Why of all is he places. possessed? <laughs> Why? Why? Why every time Harry does something cool, it's without thinking. A divine without... inspiration? Like I don't I don't even understand what's happening here. Yeah, it's it's always I want to know. There's one way. There's one way that you could make this work, and is it? And it would would have been if uh, every every moment of like without knowing why Harry did some cool shit. Uh, if it turned out that Dumbledore had just been imperiousing the, him this whole time, there's a payoff for you. Evil but Dumbledore, real. Evil Dumbledore, real. But that is not the case. It is just really lazy descriptive writing i think yeah um do you have anything else for this chapter or or are we we done with this one it's it's such a this one's bad in a new way and it's just like a bad action sequence i'm trying to think if i have anything else anything to say about Voldemort showing up and then not being able to do anything I guess that's all I have to say about it. Yeah, Voldemort. Actually, you know what? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Voldemort, the ultimate jobber. When? I guess that this is a problem with, like, all serial fiction, but it's, like, so funny here is that, like, Voldemort is just not threatening. Because every time he meets Harry, he biffs it incredibly. 
he's never really managed to do anything to like make me worried when he shows up. Like he just, he, he can't, he is a, he is an ancient man who cannot (laughs) defeat a teenager. I mean, why did he stop? I'm not really even sure what happened. I think, I think the golden goop is, is some main, like, like, you know, either remainder of Harry's protection or, some because this is the sign that he get where he that, where he realizes that oh I need the elder wand if I'm gonna beat Harry right like like no um, wand no weapon fa- fashioned against Harry will prosper yeah um um like I think I think that's what we're supposed to take from this but it's like it's still stupid that this is like the tenth time that Voldemort has failed to kill a child uh he's just not very threatening as a villain you know. The other part that I'm confused about is that, um, like, we know Voldemort already took Lucius's wand, but then in this fight where he's thwarted by the golden goop, (laughs) he then realizes what he already knew, and we knew that he knew, and says, your wand, Selwyn, give me your wand. Yeah. Well, I think think it's that he's, like... mixing up two things here which is that so he knew in the first chapter that he couldn't use his wand because Mm -hmm. it would do priori and contatum or whatever yeah now i guess he's learned that if he uses any wand except the elder wand he'll get the golden goop which would be an interesting reveal if we knew or cared what the elder wand was before this book i thought he had the elder wand no dumbledore has it because he's gonna go to dumbledore's grave and steal it oh Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's that would that would matter if we had ever gotten any sort of indication what the Elder Wand was or did or who had it or any sort of hints at all. But instead, because this book is called The Deathly Hallows, we still have no no reason to know that yet. And I guess this chapter concludes by Harry doing another forklift lifting up another forklift uh by <laughs> Doing what I forgot because I'm just like flipping through it now. I forgot that he he accios Hagrid to stop him from falling and dying. I didn't yeah. know you could do. I didn't know you could use the summoning spell on a person. Well, I'm unsure if that worked. Like, I'm I'm I can't I couldn't tell reading this because I, I I thought that explicitly you could not accio people. It just seems like Hagrid would have just died if it didn't work though. Yeah, but I but I don't know if it's going to be that like it worked or if it's going to be that Haggard is just so big and strong that it he he can just pancake into the ground and be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is this this book is finding new and incredible ways to suck uh four chapters in, <laughs> which is a bummer because we have many many <laughs> chapters to go, but I I knew I didn't like Deathly Hallows, like I remembered that I read it so many years ago and I was like Oh, I don't think this is good. And, and I like, kind of was thinking maybe there would be like new ways or new things for me to appreciate about it. Or maybe I was harsh on it at the time because yeah. I was so disappointed. Yeah. Like, and it was purely like a disappointment thing. But now I'm reading it. I'm like, holy shit, this is so bad. Yeah. Here's here's my turning to the camera moment and, and pleading with people to 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 believe me. I am not just like complaining because JK Rowling is acting up right now and I hate her more than ever. Like I'm, I'm seriously trying my best to like and appreciate things in this book. I really am. 
but but it's making it really difficult. <laughs> yeah, I I mean I I do like to get reflective sometimes and kind of think about like the nature of our content and kind of the nature of like criticism as entertainment. Yeah. And I really genuinely don't think I sit down expressly to be like, okay, time to roast Harry Potter. No, I think more often than not, like, like, like many, many, many more episodes than not. I have walked away liking the chapter more than I expected. Right. Or walked away from a book, liking it more than I expected. Um, I, I, I think there are a lot of things for as, for as shitty a person as JK Rowling is, uh, for as clumsy as a lot of these books are in retrospect, I think there's still a lot of stuff to like. And I think like one of my fundamental like takeaways from this experience so far has been like, yeah, okay. I, I, I remember why I like this and I can see why it became a cultural phenomenon. Right. Um, this book so far to me has given me the same feeling that I had a third into seeing rise of Skywalker in theaters where I just realized <laughs> like, Oh no. Oh dear. Right. Like this is, this is going to be, I'm, I need to buckle up. Right. Like, like I'm in for a, a fucking treat here. And like, that's just the vibe I'm getting here. I think that I had more kind of nuanced stuff to say about some of the earlier chapters in this book, but this one, this chapter was just top to bottom pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. Just, 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 I, I think this one was a big swing and a miss. And yeah. that said though, it, it has not like been bad in a way where I'm like, fuck this, fuck this book or anything. I, this is, this is entering the territory where it's like, bad in so many ways i wasn't expecting that it excites me mm -hmm. right like like we've said for book six and seven that like the thing that makes makes it so interesting is that like you know we we both read and reread the first five books religiously in our teen years uh and and you know these these ones not so much and this one in particular i'm just like i can't wait to like plumb the depths of this shitty book. <laughs> like, I'm just like, if this is where we're at in chapter four, I can't wait to see where we go. Go. Yeah. I mean, if this book continues this theme of um, the utter destruction of everything about Harry Potter up to this point, mm -hmm. then, then I'm kind of here for it. Yeah. Obviously, not, obviously like it's not intended by this book, um, but I, I'm, I'm ready for the destruction. I'm I'm ready to watch this world burn, right? Like yeah, just, let's just let's line up these symbols, strip them all of meaning. I want to see I want to see it just burned from the inside out. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So it's so it's it is exciting and invigorating from that perspective. But like, yeah, I keep on entering these chapters, going like, all right, maybe this is the one where it turns around and I I start genuinely liking it again. And I'm like, no, this book sucks so far. <laughs> it sucks real bad. All right. Well, I think that's probably enough roasting from us for this chapter. Shall we take a break? Yeah. All right. We'll take a break and then we will be back. Hello 
everyone, and welcome back. Uh, we have made an executive decision on the fly here. Uh, we've been reading that very interesting J.K. Rowling interview uh, um, from uh, from 2007 uh, over the past couple of weeks, but I think we are just sort of sick to death of uh, J.K. Rowling uh, and her her like public persona at this point. Um, so we're going to take a little break and, and maybe diverge a little bit from, from, uh, full uncut Joe content to, to something a little funnier, I think. Yes. Yeah. Starting with, um, th and this, this bear with me here, cause I realize this is JK content. I was reminded fondly of the existence of Tumblr confessions, it's been a while since we've done a confessional, but I was reminded by MuggleNet's official Twitter where they <laughs> posted at the beginning of mental, hashtag Mental Health Awareness Month, at JK Rowling brought de depression and other mental health struggles to life in the form of Dementors, and after all these years, we still think it's one of the most poignant and unique metaphors ever created. The first sentence is very funny. Brought depression it's and other mental health struggles to life. Thank you, J.K. Rowling. Form of Dementors. Um, and then to this tweet, they attached a not even like their own original like confessions image. Their caption here about it being the most poignant and unique metaphors ever created. I don't want to hate on the Dementors and like that like metaphorical significance of Prisoner of Azkaban because I think it's quite good. Uh, for it's our perfect. book for it's babies. Great. Um, yeah. This is my, like, I occasionally come back because I know we say the, the please read another book thing is such a such a thing now, but this is, like, my most clear, like, come on. <laughs> right, yeah. There are a it lot is, of metaphors out there. There are a lot of metaphors out there. The Dementors are great in the book they were made for, but perhaps not. It is. It shocks me how often we go to the subreddit and see posts that are, like, and presumably most of these are just people lying for, like, attention. But, like, the people were going, like, I just realized that the Dementors are a metaphor for depression. I love reading kids' books, and I love watching kids' media. Mm -hmm. I always revisit that stuff. Sometimes yeah. it's just nice to read something that maybe is a little bit more challenging to your, your adult <laughs> brain. <laughs> and in that spirit, we are going to challenge our adult brains with... Tumblr confessions. Yeah, I think this is probably one of the first times where we've just kind of done this on the fly. Like we're just yeah, we're just scrolling. We're just scrolling we're out just, here. We're just gonna scroll. Why, why, why don't you hit me with a confession? What, what have you What have you found in your in your search? Not to sound like one of those fans, but I wonder what it would be like if someone rewrote the books and added slash changed a lot of aspects of the original books. Mm. This is not much of a confession. Um. But but I like it because um, we have mostly rewritten all of the books, so I think that they should maybe listen to our podcast. We are one of those fans. Two of those fans. That should even. be one of those fans. All right, here's my first one. Frank Bryce's death was actually one of the few deaths in Harry Potter that hit me hard as a child. Not because I was necessarily attached to him, but because for a brief moment through, through his POV, I was brought out of the magic world into something realistic and recognizable. And there, suddenly, a murder meant so much more. Huh. I guess that was book four, so that would have been the first death, right? Yeah, that's right at the beginning of book four. I just, 
the 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 something more realistic and recognizable i just want to reiterate that this is the chapter where frank bryce is murdered by a tiny little man <laughs> who was just uh, uh breastfeeding a snake that's right <laughs> i mean it's kind of messed up you know it's a little twisted it's a little twisted i have a good one yeah but only because it's extremely tantalizing to me i don't know what it means I wish that the HP ship wars had never happened, but they did, and we have to live with the repercussions to this day. <laughs> and, then, and that's written over a picture of Hogwarts burning. Oh, oh my. That's interesting, because I understand that, like, Harry Potter was probably the first encounter with shipping that, like, a lot of people had, right? But I don't think, and maybe I'm just misremembering, but I don't think Harry Potter's, like shipping vitriol ever reached like voltron level of nastiness right like i don't know i don't know if that is really quite such a scorched earth shipping war no i mean in my experience i feel like all of the ships and things all just kind of kept like in the heyday or at least in in my day back in the day they were just all on different websites you know and so yeah it was like, if you want this ship, you go to this website. That's where it all is. Um, and so I wonder if this was something that happened or something that got a reputation kind of after my time when everything got centralized and then all the shippers started fighting. Yeah, that like like many things in this world, uh, a lot of problems could be solved if we just went back to having more than three websites. Mm -hmm. You could just make a website for the ship you like and never have to interact with anyone else if you're really that dedicated to it you know exactly i truly believe that draco and luna are cousins what? luna's mother has to be lucius's sister in my eyes hagrid said all purebloods are related one way or another and i think he's right movie draco and luna look so much alike they just have to be family i simply think lucas lucius is ashamed of the fact that luna is family of him and forbade draco to speak of it but that luna actually and draco but that Luna actually and Draco meet up and talk like real cousins would. I believe they are cousins and secretly friends. Sure, fucking why not? Yeah, probably. <laughs> I think I think in like maybe like the most stringent like medieval family tree sense, they like statistically must be cousins, right? Because there are only like twenty-two purebud families. So I guess that checks out. I just I I want to know talk like real cousins like what that means what do real cousins talk like i i feel like people's like cultural like I, that yeah that doesn't mean anything to me yeah i like i depending on where you live how big your family is how spread out your family is that could mean so many different things i i'm sorry i'm reading one and i'm just trying to decide if i can read it out loud not in a bad way just yeah a TikToker did a video on why Lucius Malfoy, not Umbridge, is a Karen. Every remark she made was on point. Now I can't help but think Draco isn't vaccinated and is lucky to have lived to adulthood instead of being taken out by magical measles. <laughs> you just you just dealt critical damage to me. Oh my god. <laughs> what an incredible misread of Lucius Malfoy, honestly, and that family. Oh fuck! I do you think do you think there has been a meme 
that has been run like i mean i know that everything is accelerating and that like the a day on the internet is basically a year but i think that the karen thing that imploded within two hours i, I want to say yeah something like that like like the original thing where someone said calling me karen is a slur that was insanely funny yeah making fun of her very good then it just sort of spiraled out of control and now i i don't know what it means anymore like just just saying karen in a post just just has kind of lost all all context to me I think it's seeing, funny just that, like, the Malfoys are a very specific archetype that, to like, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, like, the the Malfoys are many things, but I don't know if they're the, like, let me speak to a manager type, really. No. Uh, I hate Hermione and Ron. More like <laughs> I hate how Hermione was a know-it-all and didn't really bother seeing things from a purebloods perspective. Because oh my think god! About it. Here we go! <laughs> She brought her muggle views and didn't bother to change them. It annoys me so much that purebloods need to change, but not muggleborns. I dislike Ron, not to Hermione's extent, because of his inferiority complex. He, how was he petty with Harry during Goblet of Fire? You could say I don't hate him, he just annoys me. <laughs> what the fuck? It's incredible to me. I, we've talked about it, like liberals using Harry Potter as like a, a textbook and just kind of basing their worldview on it. But then there's this other group of people that just doesn't even clear the, like, bar that's on the floor (laughs) to to knowing what Harry Potter is trying to be about in the first place. Yeah, that's the much rarer and and weirder version of that, for sure. The, like, the the weird right-wing Harry Potter fandom is very small, but very funny. Just in, like, how did you get... Why are you here? Like... (laughs) <laughs> I know that I know that we make fun of Harry Potter for being just like kind of basic like like centrist lib stuff but the people who are like to the right of that who are like I love Harry it's like when you encounter like conservative Star Trek fans mm-hmm. it's the same thing it's just like how did how did you make it this far I have one that um I think that will really resonate with us mm. Harry using a study guide in year 6 potions wasn't cheating yeah, agreed. What? <laughs> the fact that the entire drama of book six revolves around Harry, like, having a slightly better textbook with notes in is still very funny to me. <laughs> like, like, you're supposed to take notes. I guess you're not, I guess, like, the worst thing you can say is, like, well, it's it's vandalizing school property or whatever, but, like, I don't care. I mean, he didn't vandalize the property. Snape did. Yeah, it's like like who who cares? Harry I've 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 gotten like help from people on homework before. Is that would would Hermione sever ties with me for that? Her, Hermione writes essays for Ron and Harry in book 6, I think. Yeah, I think so. Which I think is worse than like looking at notes, honestly. <laughs> I really like how Rowling wrote Ron's reaction to Ginny dating. Hmm. She stood the protective big brother's trope on its head. At first, he does have the cliched explosion, but then Ginny scoffs that the real reason he is like this is because he doesn't get out enough. So he gets himself entangled in a very telling Freudian relationship with Lavender. 
Bye bye trope. Huh. The Freudian part is showing me a bit here. I mean, I guess you could argue that she was like mothering him. Yeah, I mean, like it's 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 weird, right? Because like Freudian can mean a lot of things, but ninety nine point nine percent of the time when it's deployed, it, they mean Oedipal, right? Yes. And so I'm trying to figure out what about Lavender and Ron was Oedipal, and I'm not really seeing it. But go off. I don't think I, I hear this a lot, reading reading about um, as like the trope being turned on its head because Ginny like gets mad at Ron. And I just don't think that that's true. Yeah. That's not really turning the trope on its head. Someone reacting correctly isn't turning the trope on its head. It's still that it's still the thing. Some people keep thinking that Harry would cheat on his partner. And it is crystal clear that those people don't (laughs) understand Harry at all. What? Wait, 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 hang on. (laughs) are people saying this many people are saying this. many people are saying this more and more people are saying harry would cheat on his partner (laughs) i am delving into the tumblr comments and someone replied to this in his teens i can see something like what happened to captain america in his first movie happening to harry (laughs) can you explain that to me um wait hold on okay so th- this is still related to the I think Harry would would wouldn't cheat on anyone thing. Mm-hmm. In Captain America, <laughs> the first one, uh-huh. uh, I he he kisses the the love interest and then he gets frozen in, in an ice block for forty years. Oh, I could totally see that happening to Harry. I'm trying to... It's been many years <laughs> since I've seen Captain America. That's all I can think of, though. That is that is classic Harry. Harry that would, would definitely... Harry in instant. Harry would definitely get frozen in a, in a, in a glacier after kissing his love interest. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what that could be. I'm sure if there are any listeners who have watched Captain America more recently than me, which I think is the day it came out in the theaters in 2009 or whatever, please let me know. <laughs> Please, please tell me what, uh, what on earth that could possibly mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that Snape becoming a spy for the Order as being something a little similar, similar to criminals helping law enforcement when catching other criminals, which is an insanely interesting concept to me. Who better to get inside the mind slash plans of a Death Eater slash criminal than a person who is part of that group? Snape is endlessly fascinating to me. I love this idea of someone's first idea of like the concept of the undercover agent being Harry Potter. (laughs) I wish the Harry Potter fandom had discussions other than how bad or good Snape is or Snape versus James, who Hermione and Harry should have ended up with and how their canon partners suck, how bad Cursed Child is, how perfect their precious goddess Hermione is. It's unoriginal and tiring. Grow up. Fucking go off. <laughs> Say it louder for the people in the back. We've all been saying this. We we have all been saying this. Okay, sorry, can you read that last part again about Hermione? How perfect their precious goddess Hermione is. 
<laughs> Is anyone really saying that? I guess I guess I have to take them at their word. More and more people are saying this. I, I think that, honestly, Hermione is kind of having a little bit of a, well, I wouldn't say like a reckoning in the same way that Snape's character did in the fandom, mm. but there there is definitely some amount of push to make her not perfect and people bringing up stuff that she did in the books, because obviously her character changed a lot in the movies. Yeah. Did y'all see that Infinity War meme where they go, <laughs> why do we need to fight an Infinity War when Ant-Man could shrink, crawl up Thanos' ass, zap him back to normal size, and boom, bad guy's dead? Yes, of course. Well, same thing, but Rita Skeeter and the Dark Lord. <laughs> a, it would work. It's not like anyone's got a counterspell for that. That's true. So we are going to fly... I, I think, okay, the Infinity War Thanos Ant-Man thing was, was silly, but I think that this kind of fundamentally relies on uh, Ant-Man being able to be like an, the size of like an atom to get inside Thanos' ass. I feel like Voldemort, even if he was sleeping, might notice if like a beetle was trying to crawl <laughs> up his asshole. Um, <laughs> but here's the thing. Um, Voldemort... Um, we have some new lore as of a few weeks ago that Voldemort maybe doesn't eat, so he might just not have an asshole. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, he just we, it would it would be terrible for Rita to to get there in bug form and be like, I can't believe I have to do this, but but uh, Hermione is threatening me once more with with exposing my crimes to the world, so I I will do this. I will crawl up the Dark Lord's butthole. Oh, oops, guess he doesn't have one. I guess I can write that in my book, my tell-all book about the Dark Lord. Uh, she's, like, connected Voldemort. by radio as she's, like, going in looking for his asshole. It's like, there's no asshole here. I've got to retreat. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, she's like, oh, what am I going to... Finally, I have the title for my for my, uh, my tell-all biography of Tom Riddle, You Know Hole. <laughs> I also think that the... I mean... I know that the Thanos Ant-Man thing is just, like, silly. It's just, just yeah. goofing, you know? Uh, but also, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't really know the mechanics of superhero movies, but doesn't Ant-Man have some, like, other special powers and things, like, where he also gets the, like, strength of an... Like, the proportional strength yeah, of an ant? Yeah, he's got, like, the relative strength of an ant at that size. Like, I think if Rita <laughs> Skeeter was a bug and got inside Voldemort's butt and then transformed back into a human, I think it might hurt her more than Voldemort. I think she might just die. I mean, maybe they'd both die. I'm not really sure, but I don't know about that. I think she's <laughs> missing some would... crucial powers here. Maybe they would just clip into each other and, like, <laughs> bounce around the room. Uh-huh. But yeah, no, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if this plan is like a one-to-one, -one. I, I don't know if that would work. No. Good, good thought experiment, though. But yeah, yeah. also he doesn't have an asshole, I think that that's probably canon that's now. That's new lore, Voldemort has no butthole. <laughs> Alright, well, I think we should probably take it to the close. I could read Confessions all day, but I just wanted to do something a little different uh, than, than read that interview, just because, because... Maybe a little, maybe a little Joed out, you know? Oh, definitely. Yeah, we will return to that next week, probably. But uh, for now, 
Our theme song is Hot McGonagall by Cheshire Moon. Huge thanks to them, as always, for letting us use it as our theme song. You can check them out at Bandcamp, and you can check us out at patreon.com slash streetcast. We have so much bonus content there for you. We're talking about Umineko. We're talking about The Witcher. We're talking about moving and how much that sucks. We're talking about so many things. Taylor Lautner's abduction, The Fault in Our Stars. All, all, all the, all the horrible books and 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 whatnot you could want us to talk about. But Liz, what are we reading next week? Uh, we're reading chapter five. It's called Fallen Warrior, and I do, <laughs> I do want to talk about it a little bit because this is like I think the first time that these books have done this fake out with the chapter title because obviously we left on a cliffhanger where Hagrid is like presumed maybe dead Mm -hmm. and then to flip the page and have it be called fallen warrior and look like a funeral scene it is so funny that it's going to be like nope hagrid didn't die moody did though off screen it's it's (laughs) what a weird yeah what a weird fake out it's a bizarre fake out and also i just remembered it's the second fake out in this book Maybe not as explicit because the chapter title doesn't quite uh, match up. But remember how the beginning of chapter two began with Harry was bleeding. Yeah. There's a lot of these in this book. And I feel like that's really only something you can get away with once. What a weird gimmick to pick up in the seventh book. Yeah. Just a very strange, uh, 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 cheap, I will say, just kind of a tacky gimmick, honestly, for something like this. But yeah, I am excited to find out how they honor the fallen warrior Moody and his Polyjuice potions. But until then, please read another book. Please read another book. But there's a lady there, makes ocean roll seem tame. But I know what you're after if you catch her eye. Because this hot mama is just a cat in disguise.